Welcome to Through the Bible with our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. As our journey from Genesis through Revelation continues today, we begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 at verse 11. So grab your seat on the Bible bus, and while you do, we're going to hear from a Christian sister in central Java, Indonesia, who, just like us, is hearing God's Word taught on through the Bible. She writes, Sometimes I feel that God loves His people unequally. I do my best for Him, but really struggle in life. Others seem to have so many blessings. Through your teaching, I was reminded and strengthened that my life should be lived according to His will, according to His grace, not my plans. Thanks for this blessing. Please pray that I can be appreciative of all that I have and focus on giving to others. And this is what we hear from a listener in Vietnam as well. I've listened to your programs for about 10 years. Before that, I did not know God. About three years ago, I had a massive stroke. I was emotionally and physically drained, and I lost all motivation. I felt useless. During that challenging time, I listened to your program every night. Through your teaching, I was encouraged to trust in God in all circumstances. I thank God that His Word was a comfort to my soul during my illness. I believe that God blesses you all, and He uses your program as a tool to bring His comfort to anyone in a time of need. Well, praise God that His Word is making a difference in Indonesia in the lives of listeners like this one, as well as all around the world. So if you'd like to join us as we pray for millions who are hearing His Word taught in more than 250 languages, you know we'd love to have you sign up for our World Prayer Team. It's super easy. Just go to ttb.org forward slash pray. And if you'd like to share what God is doing in your life as we travel through His Word together, you know we'd love to hear from you. You can write to Box 7100. Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325. London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Or email BibleBus at ttb.org. You can even leave a voice message at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now let's take a moment to thank Him for His goodness and then pray for today's study as well. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the freedom that You give us in Jesus Christ. We celebrate, Lord, that your word is breaking down strongholds and transforming the hearts and lives of so many who listen to Through the Bible. Lord, we pray that regardless of where we live, as we study your word, that you'll replace the dark areas of our lives with the light of our Savior and then comfort those who are hurting. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. It's time for our study of Ecclesiastes 10 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, as we come today to the 10th chapter of Ecclesiastes, verse 11, I'd like to remind you that we are still in this section that we call seeking satisfaction in morality. That is the good life. This is the experiment that Solomon was making. It's the last experiment that he made and probably the one that he stayed with longer than any others. The largest section here deals with this particular period. This is, as we've said, is the do-gooder. The man, we call him today, I say we, I hear especially this now generation speak of that middle-class white American Protestant. Well, that class is much wider than that. With it, there are all kinds of folk, and you don't just have to be one color. This includes a great segment of the population of this country, and I would say the largest section. This is the majority today, and their feeling is, let's stay in the middle of the road, let's don't rock the boat, let's walk softly, and let's take it easy. 
Let's not disturb the status quo. We want to follow through today in a program that is not going too far to the right or too far to the left. Let's just stay in the middle of the road and be religious, but you don't want to take a stand for God and for Jesus Christ because the minute you do that, why, you antagonize a certain group of people. And we have found that we do that. I have received, and I thought I was getting off too easily and lightly on this program because in the past I have received some very ugly letters, but I've received one or two that are probably the meanest that I've ever had. In fact, they use vile language and call me everything under the sun. Well, I'm teaching the Bible, and if you can point out where I'm wrong in teaching the Bible, and you'll have to nail it down. Don't go into a tirade and say how terrible I am because I already know that. The important thing is, what does the Word of God have to say? And that is something that we believe is very important, and we ought to hear what it has to say. Now, this man Solomon is making this experiment with the good life. Now, he's dealing with many aspects of it, And here in the 10th chapter, he says the injustice of life suggests the adoption of a moderate course. You can't help but look around you today and see injustice. It's in every field, every phase and aspect of life. And as a result, why it prompts many people to take this easy way, the short way, And now he says here in Ecclesiastes 10, 11, surely the serpent will bite without enchantment and a babbler is no better. Now, we'd have to understand a practice of the East if we are going to understand this verse. And therefore, you have back in the Psalms, in Psalm 58, you have a reference here to the serpent and to the way that he operates. And here you have in Psalm 58, verses 4 and 5, their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear, which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. Now, what he's saying here is the same thing that we have here in Ecclesiastes, is this, that the adder is a very deadly reptile, as you know. And you have seen these Indian fakers, and I think you could spell that both ways. They spell it F-A-K-I-R, that a faker is one that has a little horn, and he plays a tune on that, a very doleful sort of a tune. And the adder, you know, does a sort of a dance, what would be called an adder hula dance and the adder will not strike while that little horn is being blown. And I don't know about you, but if I had a horn and the adder came along, I'd become a pretty long-winded person. I think I'd play it for a long time. But there is a time when an adder will not listen to that, and he'll strike. And when he does, it means death. Now, we find over in the prophecy of Jeremiah another reference to that in Jeremiah 8, verse 17. God says, For behold, I will send serpents, cockatrices among you, which will not be charmed, and they shall bite you, saith the Lord. 
And what he's talking about here, I don't think really is literal snakes. Could be, but I don't think so. I think that he's going to send these that will deceive you. A babbler, one that will betray you. A Judas Iscariot. And after all, that's what Antichrist will be to the nation Israel in the Great Tribulation period. And today in the church, you find that sometimes you're betrayed by someone. They talk and they should not talk. And they say things that are not true. And what he's saying here, surely the serpent shall bite without enchantment and a babbler's no better. He may be your friend. You may try to win him over. But he's going to bite you like a serpent. And no matter how nice you are to him. And we saw that also in the 55th Psalm when David had a clear reference there to Ahithophel, his counselor, who turned against him, who'd been his personal friend, and he went with his son Absalom. And that broke David's heart. I think David was a broken man after the rebellion of Absalom. Up to that time, there's probably no ruler like David. But after that, he becomes an old man. And this is the picture that you have here. Now, in view of that, then you should be very careful. That is exactly what he's saying here. Try to be the good man. And I would say that's the philosophy of life of the average person today. They say, now, you want to be very careful with Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so. I've had that told me many times. Be careful what you say in their presence because they'll twist it and turn it. And the idea is that you adopt a sweet attitude toward them, but be careful what you say. This is a middle-of-the-road position. Now, maybe somebody ought to start killing snakes. Maybe somebody ought to take these folk aside and talk with them. Or maybe somebody ought to point them out as to what they are. Now, I know from experience you're going to be in trouble if you point them out. Why, you'll be attacked in the most vicious manner. And lies, the like of which you never heard, will be told about you. So that this is a tremendous statement here, by the way. And I've dwelt upon it. Now will you notice verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself and those around him too, by the way. And this is something that person needs to be very careful about. You need to have the right kind of friend. Be very careful about making friends. When I taught in school, I always warned the freshman class. I said, you're going to make friends here that will go with you through life. You may even meet your mate here, and some of them, of course, did. And be careful who you make your friend. My daughter went away to college. That was the advice that I gave her. I said, now you're going to have the greatest opportunity you've ever had in your life. I'm making some wonderful friends. Just be careful who they are, because I said some of them will try to destroy you. And in other words, just like a serpent, like an adder. And as long as you're nice to them, why, my, you got them charmed. <laughs> but you better be careful of the way that you act in their presence. This is good advice, friends, but it's a middle-of-the-road course, as you can see. Now he says, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. And how true that is. Verse 14, a fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him who can tell him. 
Have you ever noticed that generally when you have a group and if you throw it open to have a open session, you can call it anything that you want to, a rap session. Of, we called it when I was young, a bull session. Generally in that group, you find some loquacious person, some person given to gab, and they will say the most foolish, absurd things, ridiculous things. And it's always something, and you feel like, my, if they just keep their mouth shut. That's one of the reasons that I never encourage that in meetings. When I have a question and answer period, I've always asked the people to write it out. Because if you don't, you're going to get someone standing up who comes under this category, and they're going to be troublemakers, babblers, just talkers, and the brain doesn't go along with it. Someone has said that there are some people, their brain starts their mouth to working, and then the brain goes off and leaves it, and that seems to be true. Now, let's continue to move along. Verse 15, the labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. We would say today he doesn't even know how to get in out of the rain. Verse 16, Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. That is, they give themselves over to pleasure and not to ruling the people or being a blessing to the land. And then he says, Blessed art thou, O land, when the king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. I would say today the big problem in this country is not drugs, but drink. It's liquor. Now our alcoholics number in the millions. I don't think you can get an accurate figure today because I don't think the liquor interests would permit that. They do too much advertising for the news media to give out accurate figures there. But it's alarming, and the problem today is there are too many cocktail parties in Washington. That's the real difficulty. It's unfortunate that this is the picture that is presented today. Now let me move on. In verse 18, by much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. In other words, laziness, refusal to work. All of this is quite modern, you see, as a nation today. Our main way of greeting is take it easy, have a good day. <laughs> In other words, let's do as little as we can, have as much fun as we can. Verse 19, a feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. That's something, if you're going to follow the middle of the road, remember to have plenty of money. And actually, I think today the rich have moved to the middle of the road. That's the ground that they want to take. They want to be liberal, and they want to be conservative. It's the middle of the road. Verse 20, curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter, and you'll be in trouble. I am of the opinion that I do not get support from a great many rich men who support Christian projects simply because of the fact that I try to teach the Word of God, and the Word of God does not curry favor to the rich. I do not pat them on the back. I never did as a pastor. And I thank God I can say today, 
and say for the radio program, God always raises up someone and a whole lot of someones because a great many organizations depend on one or two men today to do the supporting. This program, no church I ever served depended on one or two men. I can say that today because that's important to say, my friend, and we need to recognize that. And again, this verse tells me something else. Curse not the king. I do not believe that a president, regardless of who he is or what party he is, that he should be caricatured, that he should be made an object of ridicule, or that he have imitators. I have felt all the way long, and each president has had a comedian that makes big money just imitating him. I think it's wrong. I think it's very wrong. Now, I know that that will not set well with a great many, but after all, we're teaching the Bible, friend, and I hope you'll understand that. Now, as we come to chapter 11 here, here is the best course to follow for the do-gooder, for the moral man, for the man that wants to live the good life, that today wants to be neither hot nor cold, neither right nor left, but go down the middle. Here it is. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Don't be afraid of doing good, although the reward may be late in arrive. If your policy in life is to be a do-gooder, don't look for a reward. You may not get it as you go along. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. In other words, be sure and don't help just one. Help quite a few because you may get in trouble yourself and may want to turn to them. You remember the Lord Jesus gave a parable along that line about the crooked steward, the dishonest steward. Then verse 3, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Now, rain is predicted. Carry an umbrella. It's hard to move a redwood after it falls. It's always best to have a clear understanding in the beginning, you see, before you launch a venture, because after it begins, it's very difficult to make any change, you see. Now, he says, verse 4, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. In other words... You go on and carry through your program because you can't always tell about the weather. Verse 5, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Now, even today, this matter of physical birth is still a great mystery. And you do not know how the Spirit will move. And the Lord Jesus said that. He said, the wind bloweth where it listed. Thou hearest the sound thereof. Thou canst not tell whether it cometh where it's going. You just cannot figure that out. And therefore, there's a great deal we don't know today. But I think great teaching is just simply this. Don't let what you don't know disturb what you do know. Now, any person knows enough to go and sit in a chair there's a chair right here in my study, empty. I wouldn't mind moving over and sitting in it. And there's a lot I don't know about chairs. I don't know about the wood. I don't know about what went in it, how it was made or who made it or anything. But 
I know enough that if I sit in it, it'll hold me up. That's all I need to know. Don't let what you don't know disturb what you do know. Verse 7, truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. In other words, you're going to get old, my friend. Actually, life for a senior citizen is not all that the folders say it's going to be. Now, he launches into the section in which we're going to conclude next time the book of Ecclesiastes. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Remember, young man, that now is the time to make your decisions in every category of life. It's very important that you make the right choices. How many men are living wasted lives today because it all began in their youth? Now, he's going to talk about old age in the next chapter. And verse 10 that closes this says, Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. They're empty if you don't use it right. Life is a gift that's given to us, given to us a day at a time, in fact, a second at a time. And it's a very precious gift, by the way. God doesn't give it to you in one big bunch. And you're to use it, and we're to use it for His glory. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We'll hear more from Dr. McGee in just a minute. But first, if you've missed any of our studies in Ecclesiastes, or you want to review them again, visit ttb.org to browse our audio archives and listen for free. And as our study of Ecclesiastes concludes, it's the perfect time to get your copy of Dr. McGee's notes and outlines for our next book, Song of Solomon. They're available in a few different ways. You can download Dr. McGee's notes and outlines for our entire five-year study in one volume, It's called Briefing the Bible, or download the notes and outlines for each individual book of the Bible as we study them. Both of these options, they're free, and they're available to you at our website, ttb.org. Now, you can also get a free abridged paperback copy simply by calling us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. That paperback copy is called Briefing the Bible. Again, that number is 1-800-652-4253, or go to ttb.org forward slash Briefing the Bible. That's all one word. Once more, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. And as a reminder for those listening through our app, the notes and outlines are available there on that app as well. Again, we got one final study in our journey through Ecclesiastes, so I hope to see you on the Bible bus for it next time. Now here are some closing thoughts by Dr. McGee. You will recall that Israel was an agricultural people, and so much of the Bible is geared for that. But for us today, this has a real spiritual message, you see. It means today the seed is the Word of God, and we're to sow the seed in the world. I take that to be the very thing that we are to do today, and that is the main business of the Christian, to sow seed. 
just as it was the business of the farmer in the day of Solomon to sow seed. And he's told here, in the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. In other words, it speaks first of all of hard work. Don't just work in the morning, work all day. I think this would put to rest the eight-hour day idea, and probably from sunup to sundown, the man is to work, and he's to be a hard worker. And the suggestion here is that there's a reward for him, because he doesn't know which shall prosper. The most uncertain business in the world, I suppose, is that of farming today. And always in the past, the people that were farmers seemed to me to be closer to God than any other. And this thing is going to come up when we get to the next chapter, when God's going to urge the young man to remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth, for that's when you have something that you can give him. Now, until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Jesus grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.